Today we're talking to Dora Bussas uh, and we're talking about the critical sets for a successful data implementation strategy to transform your business. Thanks to all of you who registered from all over the world. Um, it's fantastic to see such um, interest in the subject and Dora certainly knows exactly what she's talking about. We've also had some fantastic questions, uh, which I've got over here if you see me turning my head when the camera does eventually go live, um, from people in advance who weren't able to make it uh, live with us today. So obviously there's a number of people that can't always join live. Uh, if you haven't been able to make it and you're watching this later, then hello to you. And if you get any questions after the webinar, that you'd like me to address to Dora, then I am more than happy to do so. So I'm going to bring Dora in. I'm hoping that in the background, technical will be able to um, technical will be able to sort out the transparency so that you'll be able to see our cameras, um, which would be nice, really, on a live webinar. Um, but I'm going to bring Dora in and allow her to introduce yourself. Dora, I'm sorry, we do have a technical issue with the cameras today. However, uh, we can wait for technical to try and sort it out. But in advance of that, we've got a few people joining as I'm watching from all over, which is fantastic. Oh, America. It's early for America, isn't it? Dora, please do introduce yourself. Yes, thank you, Catherine. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here and thank you to everyone who has joined us for this conversation. And you know, nothing like being live, right? Hopefully the video <laughs> will go on, but that's okay. We can still have a conversation. Um, so hello everyone. My name is Dora Busias. I do live in the US. I'm actually in the Florida area. So let's see, we're here to talk a lot about data and critical uh, steps for a successful data strategy implementation. I've been, the reason why I'm talking about this, I mean, I've been almost 30 years now, 27 and a half years, always in IT, pretty much spent every role that you can think of in, in IT in technical roles, but I've always been uh, the most interested and went the deepest in the data domain, everything around data and analytics, as well as enterprise architecture. Um, that being said, you know, I think of myself, even though I, I bring technical expertise, I think of myself as a business person, first and foremost, that just happens to have a lot of expertise in the data and architecture and just uh, technology world. And I always drive with the mindset of how can I help my ultimate customer or, I mean, healthcare right now, our patients and then our customers and also our businesses and then how can we use data actually to help us do better with all of that like i said i'm in healthcare but i've uh, over my career i've been exposed a little bit to retail and then spent many years in financial services insurance and um and and healthcare and that's actually something that i've always appreciated um because it helped me uh, see different businesses and I can tell you from the data perspective Yes, we need to understand the business context. We need to understand the function but many of the uh, Best practices around data data management data and analytics actually are transferable across across industries I would say so happy to be here with everyone today. Thank you for having me. Oh No, you are more than welcome. We are honored. We are honored. I'm very much in awe um, uh, Hello Sanjay from India Thanks for joining us today. Hope you've got some great questions for Dora. Uh, 
So what I'll do is I'll start with the questions that we were uh, we were given before from people that can't join us live. And then I'll be keeping an eye on all of the screens with the different chat feeds to see what questions come up as we're speaking. So Dora, your first question of today's session, I feel like I'm on mastermind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're talking about data strategy is yes. a word that's thrown around a lot. What meaning does that truly hold in terms of implementation? Ha, huh. okay. Well, the I'm very first- that's I'm sorry? Robert in Norway. Thank you, Robert. Okay, hi, Robert, and hi, Sanjay. Hello, everybody. So the question, can you hear me okay, Catherine? Yes, fine. Okay, so the question is data strategy and what does this mean? And what does it mean from an implementation perspective too, correct? Yes, what meaning does it yep. truly hold in terms of implementation? Okay, well, I'm going to start by saying, oh, and I can see video now. Hey! Hi! <laughs> Great, well, hello everybody in person too, if you can see us. So data strategy, you know, I would say, especially when we're talking about implementation, I have to tell you the first thought that comes to mind when I hear implementation, I'm thinking system implementation, technical implementation, maybe some other things that we'll talk about, but I would say when it comes to data strategy, you know, I, I wrote an article that I published recently, the top three pitfalls in, in implementing data strategy. And the very, uh, the, the first one really says data strategy is really not about the data itself. It's about the business. So what I would say, for a successful implementation, even before we start getting in all of the tactical, uh, you know, steps with data strategy, let's just make sure that we understand how does that align with our business? You know, what are the business objectives and goals that we're trying to help our business do better? At the end of the day, it's how do we leverage the potential that data has for us, our business data? It's typically how do we help our customers have better customer experiences? That will help us with re with attracting new customers, retaining customers, so basically growing our business and our top line. Or how can we use data to help us streamline our operations and and uh, cut cost, right? So that we're just healthier, better bottom line, right? Or how then we can also use data to mitigate risk to safeguard our business, right? So the implementation, even with me, starts from right there, making sure that we understand what data strategy is all about. It is about the business, and it needs to be, as we're starting typically phased implementations, in terms of priority of what's important from business, business objectives. And from there on, from an implementation, we need to see, okay, what's the biggest pain point from the things that actually do align where we want to take the business to? How do we prioritize them? Who do we involve in? What do we do? You know, we can get, hopefully that gives an idea because I can keep on going talking about this, but I'm sure I'll come through other questions. We'll talk a little bit more specifics in terms of um, other aspects of implementation. It's funny you talk about um, the people side of it because... Yeah last webinar we did, I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, but was very much around if people aren't buying into an implementation process and a data strategy, then you've kind of got a problem in the first place. So absolutely ties that very much in um, with the feedback. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, we're talking about five critical steps and these are, you know, 
bigger steps, things to consider. So the first one really is about what I spoke about, aligning strategy with a business, right? Understanding that it is about the business. It is not about the data itself. It is not about the architectural approaches. It is not about the systems. Those are great and we need them and we need to do a good job implementing them and, and setting up a very uh, uh, you know, scalable foundation with all of this. But those are tools to help us meet our business objectives. Again, data strategy is about the business and how we go forward, not about the data. Now, we said five critical steps. That was the first one. And you just asked, asked about people, Catherine. That was actually kind of like even the, the fifth, you know, item that we had even as we put this this uh webinar together right it is about the people and it's about the culture it's about you know to get people to to first of all engage what's in it for them you know data strategy actually has a bit of not a bit but a lot of transforming the culture of the organization it's it has a lot to do with changing people's mindset many times and habits because it means to have a successful data strategy, it has a lot with breaking down, down silos, getting people to work together. Yeah. That implies changing the way we've been doing things day to day and how we do things, how we work with each other. You know, all of that really are different, different aspects of, of culture and the organization. And people are right at the heart of it. We might do, we might implement the best technology. And you can have all the buzzwords with it too, right? If we don't get people to be part of this, to engage with us, to feel that they're part of the solution that they're not pushing against it, not, not only conceptually get it, but really actively be part of this and engage and learn new habits of, hey, how do we work together to really break down those silos? And there's, again, things that we can go, practical things that we can go into, how do you do that? But it's the system silos, the, the you know, um, business, whatever silos you can think of, really, it all goes back to the business, the data, the process, the system silos, excuse me, they all go back to people. So that is very important. People, culture, how we work together, and then making sure that all along, because this is a journey, really, when we're implementing, I, I'm sure everybody has heard this. This is not something that, oh, we're starting today, we're done in six months, right? We, oh, I don't we, know. I've heard people doing that. <laughs> well, uh, yes, unfortunate. I mean, but if we're talking about successfully and resiliently implementing this, uh, that resiliency, a part of it, not all of it, is really understanding that this is a journey. We need to phase it out. We need to prioritize. And we absolutely need to bring people along, that they're part of this with us. We're not throwing it at them, but they're part of it with us. They're engaging. What's in it for them? How do we go about it? And when you're ready, Catherine, we can talk about that as well, if that's of interest. Yeah. See, well, we'll get through the questions first, but I'll, I'll ask the question on that. I hear about people saying the journey a lot, um, yeah. both within the clients, within businesses. And it always interests me because from where I'm looking uh, data and the issues that I face with other people's data. It's not a journey that has an endpoint, really. It is an mm -hmm. ongoing process that once you once you actually understand what you're doing, yeah, it's a journey, but there isn't really an end. Once you've got best practice in place and you're working 
as you say it, breaking down the silos and everybody's getting involved, then it doesn't really stop. Would you disagree with that? I do not disagree with that. I think that's very valid and I think that's important to, under to understand. Um, really, successful implementing it, that's why it has to become part of culture, meaning even, even you know, it's it, you don't even think about it and it goes on, right? It's kind of like those things that you do every day and going. It's a multi-year journey with no end destination. But let me let me qualify this a little bit. Multi-year because depending where you start, there are different levels of maturity, right? So going from you know stage one maturity where nothing is there to becoming a you know more reactive, ad hoc, some things. Think of your very typical five-phase maturity curve, right? So at the beginning, depending where you start at the maturity level where you are, and oh by the way. There's different things, right? And we can talk about different pillars, if you will, under the data strategy umbrella. Uh, uh, one pillar, you know, for example, we might be a little bit more mature with MDM and data quality, not as mature with analytics, or it's probably actually the opposite of what's happening. Maybe a little bit more focus on, on analytics, not so much on quality, not so much on architecture or on security and privacy and so forth, right? So where are we? start bringing in the best practices and getting everybody to work together, break down the silos. But once we get to a point where, hey, we're thoughtfully managing this, it's not about processing data, yeah. it's about managing data. Those two things are very different. Um, so once we bring in the best practices, and, and that's multi-year, right, and, and we, and you know, we do things around data information architecture, data governance, stewardship, MDM, analytics, and so forth. Then there's always things changing. There might be an MA. We are acquiring new or we merge with a new company, new data coming in, overlapping perhaps, uh, you know, some overlapping business capabilities in the systems and the data in those systems, right? Uh, the industry, the, the environment might change. Like these days, look, there's changes happening, hitting us left or right with what's happening with the economy. So you don't really ever stop, but there's a lot of work, multi-year effort, I would say, early on, depending where the organizations are, the maturity, to get to a good place where we're really thoughtfully, diligently managing it but then there's always room to optimize people come and go they need to learn what we're doing how we're doing how do we respond to you know what the business environment is is throwing at us so you're absolutely right Catherine I don't think there is an end no I think there's a destination to the to to the situation you're in there's a destination this is where we want to be but then the ongoing journey I'm going Gotcha. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. ask you, uh, well, that's a, a very big question from Rebecca in Dublin. Hi, Rebecca. Um, because it kind of encompasses so much, but I'll ask it anyway. What would you say are the five pillars of a data strategy plan? Five pillars yeah. of a data strategy plan. <laughs> um. Okay, you're talking about a plan. So let me start with this. If I think of five pillars, and, and we can talk about five pillars of a data strategy, I'm thinking of things like, um, you know, anything around data governance and stewardship and architecture and management. So we have to think about those things. 
Mm. We can also, you know, and that could include like uh, MDM quality, things like that. Uh, another pillar would be analytics and meaningful analytics and what we do with that, right? And um, um, that's another thing. We have to think about information security. Right? How do we secure our data? Who should have access to it? How do we make sure we are uh, managing, let's say, for breaches and stuff like that? All of that, it's part of a comprehensive data strategy, right? Data privacy and regulations and keeping on, on top of that so that we're staying compliant, right? And we can do business um, as we're, we're supposed to. That's another pillar. And then all of the tools and the platforms, right? This is just another big aspect of, about it. And I would say almost overarching this is, again, what some people refer to as data literacy. For me, all that means is, you know, not so much teaching somebody how to use the tool, but more about raising awareness about, hey, why is it important for us to work together? For me, data literacy has to do more about the data culture or the or the organizational culture about a culture about us coming together, working together. And what does this mean from a data perspective? Now, if you're talking about a data strategy five pillars of an implementation. I haven't thought of the implementation plan as five pillars. Maybe we'll end up with five, but you know, I would say, Rebecca, I think it is, once we figure all of that, then it, it comes down to, you know, prioritizing, right? Making sure that we're pulling in the right people, having them in the right roles, a phased out approach, again, looking at the interdependencies, those are the kinds of things that I would be thinking about in terms of a, of a plan, implementation plan. Yeah, I, I think that, I think you've covered that very well, actually. I, I was almost thinking we need a three-hour webinar to answer that one question. Oh, well, there's a lot of detail. We can go into it in a lot of detail, but... You know, I would say at the very least, we have to be thinking about those things, especially when it comes to implementation, right? There are some things there. I spoke about prioritization. I spoke about making sure that we prioritize based on what's going to help our business, really, right? Yeah. Um, I just mentioned something quickly, but that's important. Making sure we have the right people in the right roles. And I will give you an example. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of different roles, and by the way, it's not one person, it's not even one team to implement this. Like we said before, right? You got a lot of different stakeholders across the organization that could be sitting in different regions, in different divisions, and corporate functions, right? You got to bring everybody together. Um, and in successful implementing the data strategy, there are the more tactical things. For example, we're going to build this data lake right or we're going to create a data quality standards and then we're going to start executing them i have a framework around monitoring our data quality and seeing how we're doing and what are we learning from it so we can pivot on you know a different area depending on what we're learning right um but then i'm sure folks here will resonate to even get that going to get the support to get funding to do all these things that takes a certain skill set as well so i've seen situations for example where the person that was raising the awareness and was called to really just get that that executive support, the, the, the backing, the funding, put a roadmap around it, really great person, really very competent, good skills, but it was very much skills around day-to-day -day management, practical, you know, managing activities. Yeah. What you need, however, in that role, where you're trying to kick it off 
and get your executives to say, I get it. We absolutely need to invest in this area. You need someone that can present it a different way. Not someone that can execute day-to-day -day very well in you know, operational steps. You need someone that, first of all, can be a little bit of a visionary that can see that, hey, where are we going? Why are we doing this? That can communicate it in a way that executives understand how that's going to help the business. Because if you go and say, I have to do this because I'm going to implement this this latest buzzword, you know, pick your buzzword, you lost them. You're not going to get the funding. You're not going to get this off the ground, right? So that's yeah. what I'm saying. And, and, and you need someone that, you know, can inspire people. I can help them understand what this is and why they should be engaged. So again, you need the right person, the right skill set for the right role. And that's part two to think about in terms of what we implement and an implementation plan. I would say let's not underestimate how important that is as well. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> I couldn't. Uh, and it's, it's a big role and it's a big it's, skill set for one person to have especially when the stakeholders can be in finance, but also in IT. Um, it's a different skill set, even having the conversations with those different people. So I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, you. I'm going to ask a question now from, sorry, Duncan. Yes, <laughs> from Duncan in the UK. Uh, what are the key KPIs of a data strategy plan? So it's slightly different than the pillars, really, isn't it? It is. Um, and I would say that KPIs and metrics, look, generally speaking, are we hitting the mark? What are the objectives that we connected to? But then we spoke about different pillars, right? We spoke about governance and architecture, MDM, quality, things like that. We spoke about privacy, information security. We spoke about analytics. We spoke about the platforms. We even spoke about, you know, literacy in terms of the culture. So for every one of those pillars, you have different metrics. And it's not like one big or five big, like for the entire strategy, because we have to be a little more focused so that it's very relatable. People can understand it. So, for example, you could have data quality specific metrics in, in you know, the pillar around governance, stewardship architecture, you know, there's a lot of things in there. I'm just giving an example. Yes. You could have, for example, uh, another metric that I think is a good go-to when we're talking about how are we getting people along, right? That data literacy component, the culture to work. So for example, we might be implementing a data catalog. And data catalogs means different things to different people. You know, we have that in an industry, even, even the word data strategy, even the word data management, things that you would think mean the same thing that don't mean the same thing to everybody. But a data catalog, the way I think of it, it could have in here capabilities around, you know, searching against our assets uh, and uh, having a business glossary, even having data quality uh, capabilities for, for different data quality metrics and monitoring them even having capabilities about end-to-end -end lineage and data flows, right? In order to do this, especially when, let's say, we're rolling out, we need to get people to come in here, for example, collaborate. How do we define what product hierarchy means? What sales even means? I've seen organizations having a different definition for something as simple as sales from division to division. Um, a, a KPI, you know, how do we define it? So you got to get people together that are the right stakeholders to agree on this. So you collaborate. 
So for me, for data literacy, when I have more people using this and I'm looking at those user metrics, user adoption, that to me is a metric. And it could be a metric, for example, for the literacy or, you know, uh, driving the culture transformation. Um, so, so that's it, you know, adoption, quality metrics, did we deliver it? You know, some of them are more operational, some of them are bigger. How effective are we? You know, have we, for example, by us bringing in our best practices and implementing them, are we faster in delivering the product, right, yeah. than we were before? Uh, are we having more repeatable uh data services for example that we're using or or repeatable uh, you know uh tools and practices whatever we put in place so those are the kinds of things that i will be thinking of but they're specific to each area uh it needs to be relatable and specific brilliant we've got a oh sorry the live question coming from thomas green hi thomas uh should companies focus on tools first or on people first when creating the strategy thank you thomas Thank you, Thomas. That's a good question. I would say when creating the strategy, the first thing to focus on is what are we trying to solve with this? What is the business objective that we're trying to, to progress, right? So from there, you can't look only on one or the other. Really, you got to bring these, these things along, right? So yes, the, and it's, 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 it's tools, it's people, its processes as well, right? So that's why I would say start with what is the business uh, key objectives that we're trying to do and then start putting together in terms of the data strategy, okay, who do I need? What am I going to focus on? Or how do we get to what we're going to focus on? What framework are we putting around for how we're going to execute it, right? What would the operating model look like? And those things, the framework, the operating model, it would have references to people, it will have references to processes, how we go about it. And then along the way, we figure out, again, depending what it is that we're talking within the bigger umbrella, what are the right enabling, right fit technologies, right fit tools to bring in. Um, and I think we need to be careful here to not just go, again, just for the technical shiny buzzwords out there, but is it the right tool for the right purpose for what we're trying to do? But I think these things are in going in parallel to answer Thomas's question, but start with yeah. the business problem. It, it's an interesting question, Thomas, and I appreciate it because also there are different scenarios. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure you'd agree, Dora, that in some businesses, the people are there already. And so they have to come first because you haven't got the luxury of the tool um, to say now I can recruit that person for that specific requirement in some scenarios, in which case perhaps you need to look at the team before you actually look at uh, the tools. Would you agree? Yeah, and Catherine, you know, you just made such a great point. Depending where you are and the maturity levels in the organization, uh, right? Because, um, so here's another practical tip, again, from what I've seen. You can't take this do it successful in one company and go and implement it exactly the same in a different company. So situational awareness, what's happening in that environment with those people, with the maturity of the processes, the data, the understanding, the awareness, the people in this new environment plays role, right? So I agree with what you said. You have to look at it. And here's the thing. 
if we're only talking about tools connected to data strategy, we absolutely are missing the other components that of people in process. So we've got to start focusing on that. And if we're only talking about strategy and we don't have a specific implementation plan that includes processes and tools, then we're just being theoretical and abstract, right? Yeah. So yes, we start and, and we need to start bringing some of those things in. So put it in perspective within the business environment and then yes how do we bring them all to to work together but in a in a thoughtful way yes i agree completely and uh thank you for that thomas uh sanjay hello again from india uh why do you think there is a mismatch on data to model predictive decisions so i'm when i said that i'm, I'm a bit impressed that i didn't <laughs> Uh, okay, so I am trying to, uh, how do I understand the question? Why is there a mismatch on data to model predictive decisions? So I'm not exactly sure. Kathy, how do you understand, how would you interpret what a mismatch on data for predictive decisions mean? I'll, I'll talk about it, but trying to make sure I understand the question well. Sanjay might want to explain that a little bit more if you could. Um, Sanjay, I'd appreciate it. I would from my perspective, think um, that what you might mean is the mismatch on data um, when you're modeling what your data actually looks like, but then it's being used to make predictive decisions okay. based on past data, would, and which can be a danger zone, as, as you oh, would know. Sorry. I think that's what he's... Uh, what he's asking right so here's here's how I, I agree and this is how i understand it as well and let me just define it so that i can answer the the question right why is there mismatch in data it's basically another way to say this that the way i understand it is do we have the right data you know we can have even all the data in the world but is this the right data for yes correction jay says for predictive decisions why is there a mismatch basically sanjay what you're highlighting is Sometimes we jump into analytics, we jump into data science predictive models, and we are trying to kind of like shortcut our way over doing the hard work of data. And as we're getting from all the different sources, how do we harmonize it? Even better than mapping it, right? Harmonize the meaning, harmonize it really. You know, mappings comes after that, right? Why don't we do that? Honestly, I think it's because we need to raise the awareness of how important that is. People just jump, activate to building, and we tend to, okay, predictive models, AI, it's all the buzz these days. Let's go do that. That's our data strategy. Okay, we're, we're missing the point there that garbage in, garbage out. We really have to do the work, the, the, which is not trivial, and it's hard work around the data governance, data management architecture, all those things that I was saying. So the mismatch is there because A, we need to raise awareness of how important that is. B, it's really hard work and it takes that culture transformation. It takes changing the habits that we've built over the years. It takes building down the silos. Working with people, it's harder than working and implementing tools, guys. Hopefully, I don't know if anyone uh, you know disagrees, but in my experience anyway, I think that's a little bit harder to do. So, those are the two reasons why it's not easy and it takes fundamentally understanding the why we should do it um, and how is this going to benefit and then committing to doing it. We are looking for 
to get there a lot faster, thinking that we can just shortcut our way and get over it, but mm, it's we just can't, right? For for it to be really um, uh, decisions that we can fully trust, that we can work with the data, and we can get to it. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I've got a, we've got a live question in from Christine uh, Cod. Hi, Christine. But I want to. Because of what that question is, I actually want to ask one that we got asked um, prior to the to the conference by Anne-Marie. And Anne-Marie wants to know what part of the strategy needs the most attention and is critical to business success. And Dora, I know you can see Christine's question, so that's why I've asked you that one first. Okay. The one that needs the most focus because I think it just gets overlooked, it gets underestimated, is the organizational change management. I, you know, how do we get every, it's, it's that and it's connecting into the business pain points, but really, because sometimes we say, yes, this is what we're trying to solve, but I'm an advocate of ask the five whys, right? Because every time somebody says, oh, so for example, you might get something like, yeah, let's create a data um, a data lake because we want to do customer 360. And that's it. Well, that's great. And that sounds really good, right? But what does this mean? How do we focus now? Okay, customer 360. What does this mean? Because what it means to you, Catherine, might be different what it means to me. Okay. What customer 360 means to you, let's say if you sit in finance and I sit in marketing, totally different, right? And so then we need to go and ask the question, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean to you? What are we really trying to solve for? And what is the purpose for that? And how are we going to use it? And what decision is it going to drive? It sounds great to say build a data lake and bring in the data so I can do customer 360. Pretend you have that in there already. What are you going to do with it? So while we have it, what, what decision is it going to drive? We're not going to do it just to say we have a beautiful oh, data lake. We're going to do it again. How does it connect to business? So I think the biggest watch out and what gets uh, you know missed sometimes is being very thoughtful and specific enough. What are we trying really to help the business, connecting to the business? And then again, the transformation, the getting people to be part of it. And like we were saying earlier, even if we put the, the best tool out there, how is the adoption? Are the people helping and being part of it? And, and that's how that's going to happen better when people are part of it and they feel like they're contributing, they understand, it's going to help them. They're engaged. It's not something where, okay, they hear about it, we tell them, and then months later or years later, we go and tell them, here, we have it for you. You're not gonna get adoption that way. No, very much agreed. So. Christina, I'll now ask your question, which uh, comes very well after that one. Strategy and tactics are often mixed up. What's the common one you come across? Um, the most common one is what I've actually already been, been saying. Um, let's implement... Um, AI data science or, you know, advanced analytics, and, and that gets equated with strategy, or let's bring in this technology, um, or, you know, um, or in terms of tactics, 
as we're trying to implement these technical solutions, you know, you could have a lot of great things around it. This is what we're going to do and we project manage it and we have all of these different phases. So if you think of that as tactics, right, to like manage it at that level, sometimes people confuse that and I see that as being the strategy. Um, that's, you know, that's what I've seen, Christine. Fabulous. hope that answers your question, Christine. And it, it is one, actually, I haven't really thought about the difference between strategy and tactics. So, uh, yeah, that's made me think, for sure. Uh, Chris Wilkinson. Hi, nice to meet you. Uh, Chris would like to ask you, how do you measure the return on investment from implementing a data strategy? If the objective is to make better business decisions, what's the best way to measure this? That golden rule, how do you measure it? Yeah, Chris, this is such a great question. Um, uh, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, right? The metrics, the measures. I think you have different ones per pillar, per area of data strategy. And I think that's how you go uh, about it. Um, uh, different things that you can... Uh, different things that you can do in terms of, of ROI. You know, it's not one big ROI. Again, specifically to what we're doing, right? What is the business value? Uh, some of the metrics that we said, what is the business value and how, what kind of return on investment you're getting in that? I have to say when it comes to metrics, it's a lot easier, I think, when we're talking metrics about implementing something, analytics, things like that. It's so much harder uh, to measure, I think, just in general, implementing data strategy or data governance types of things. That's why we've got to go down to what is your quality metrics, right? What is your user adoption? What is your return on investment on building this data, like looking at that? But think also about things over time, too. Um, uh, uh, um, you know, these are a little harder, but how long, like I was saying earlier, are we getting to delivering? this faster so for example as part of data strategy if i think a little bit more on the operational side of things do we have a well defined clear operating model that gets in all the right stakeholders that we figure out what we need to do we go build it and after we build it you know we're architect we design it we build it after we build it you know it's not going to break so think about all of the different times for example where big programs are getting implemented we go live, everything is great. And then during hypercare or even later, especially across system integrations break. And they could pay a break for things like, um, hey, you were expecting you were expecting addresses. An address has a state, like United States in it, right? I send them to you. Well, guess what? The integration still broke. Why? Because even something as simple as state, right? You got different standards. The upstream, we're sending you states, maybe using the ISO codes for states, you know, two, two, yeah. two character ISO code. Downstream was receiving that, they need that to go forward, but they had their own list of states and they were not using the ISO, right? So that's causing delays, that's causing problems. We now have to go back and fix that. And how do we fix it in a resilient way, not just for that moment? So for things like when we're bringing governance and stewardship and those good data management processes in, right 
if we actually think about these things proactively ahead of time and we architect and we design them before we build them that way that's not going to break if we keep on doing that so think about okay how do we benchmark ourselves for example how long does it take to implement things like this and once we start bringing in these new practices and we have a repeatable way and it's easy for us to just pull on it with the next project the next effort is this for example uh, uh, shortening the time, less time means less cost, right? So again, what, what is from a from a from a, a cost operations? You know, cutting down costs, that kind of a, you know the return on value investment. Us putting in the best practices, talking about how we do that. What is the return that we get on that investment? So that's another way to to think about it. Interesting, good, very good answer. Thanks, <laughs> thank Adora. you, and uh, thank you, Chris. Very interesting. Uh, Thomas, what would be an example of a realistic objective with a data strategy plan? Realistic objective. That's interesting, actually, because they can okay. all that. Here's an example. Well, first of all, you know, the example has to, I'll give you an example, but I, I don't know if that's relevant to everyone, but I'll give an idea, right? Because again, strategy connected to the business needs, the business objectives of the organization we're in. But I've, uh, I was talking with colleagues not long ago, and we're talking about this, this issue that happened in that organization where um, they could not ship product to the customer. And they could not ship product to the customer because there was a mismatch in the data. They did not know what was the right data to print on the label that goes on the product to ship, right? Delaying shipping product has big impact on the business. The customer experience is not good. Uh, depending on the product too, it could be you know, critical to our customers' operations. Uh, cash flows might be impacted for the organization, you know, all kinds of different business reasons, right? So with data strategy, if part of the data strategy includes that early, uh, not early, but the data management side of things, when we say, you know what, okay, we really have to come together because they could not figure out what to put on the label because the data that they had was different version from this other data. This was around master data that didn't know which one was right. So they weren't confident enough to print it, to ship it and all of that stuff, right? So as part of data strategy, we're saying, well, this is really key, especially if it's enterprise impact, enterprise master data that has enterprise impact that is pervasive through systems, through processes. And I'm thinking through business processes before I think through systems, right? Because how are we using for what person, for what business process? So if we're bringing in things from data strategy that says we need to focus on the using the right data, the quality of it, speaking the same language, right? We're doing that. Well, this is an example for how that would, would help in, 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 this, in this example. Uh, to not delay or break business processes that lead to bad customer experience, cash flows being, uh, you know, um, uh, affected, all sorts of things, because we brought in these pieces of data strategy. Yes. And how, how you take the data back in to let you know that that, that information is wrong. How, in, in your shipping example, mm -hmm. that, actually going to the wrong person but i've seen businesses that are doing doing that but they're not recording the feedback in a way 
that can then go back in to enrich the data in the first place. I've seen that. So I want to so I want to connect something here from the five critical steps. By the way, thank you so much for the engagement. I'm loving all the questions, right? We're not really going down. Hey, here's the five critical steps. But I'm going to bring something from there. And there was a point that we said implement for business resiliency. And that is related to what you just saying, Catherine, because you're talking about a feedback loop, which I think we're we're generally speaking, I don't think we've, we're doing a good job with feedback loops. But the feedback loop also has to do with understanding the end-to-end -end impact. So when I say implement for business resiliency, right, something that will that will stick, that will sustain. It's not good for now, we build it, and then it will break later, or if we get a new requirement, oh, we totally have to put band-aids, or totally have to rewire, re-architect things, right? So how do we architect, design, build sustainable solutions, business solutions? And to do that, we need to think end-to-end. -end. So a lot of times what we're doing is we're program project-centric, whatever you call it, you know, it's got a finite scope. The hardest part I've seen, one of the hardest things I've seen people um, having a hard time with is think outside the confines of this. So that goes now back to incentives and how do folks get measured, right, to help Break down those silos because breaking down those silos meaning we're not just thinking within the confines of what I'm implementing here. But if I'm implementing something, I could be implementing an ERP, something big program, right? But who's downstream to me that needs my data? Am I considering what they're going to need? Because if they need it for some other business process, but I'm collecting this data here and I'm building for this here, do I know what they're going to need so I can actually incorporate it in my, in, into my design, right? Or three, four steps down the road. What kind of analytics, what kind of a KPIs are we trying to? What do they need? Are we actually making sure that we're capturing the data at the right level of quality and integrity all the time, not sometimes, because it's absolutely necessary to feed that analytics. Now, our project may be implementing a transactional system, nothing to do with analytics. But here's the thing, how do we take a little bit of time proactively early on to understand when I look at this business process end to end, not just whatever it's in the scope of my project, who else will be getting impacted that we need to incorporate some of that thinking in the architecture of it? I'm not suggested build everything for everybody. I'm not suggesting go down to the nth degree, right? We still have a project. We still have a deliverable. We still have a specific goal that's hopefully connected back to our business objectives, right? It's kind of like when you build a house, you need to know if you're building a ranch or a two-story home because the foundation that you put might be different for one versus the other. You don't want to be building for a two- or three-story home but you're thinking, yeah, this year, yep, I, I just have the, the first floor. I just want to move in. Just put the foundation. Next year, if you want to put a second or third floor, your foundation might crack. So you gotta you have to think about that ahead of time, right? So, so when you think that end-to-end -end and you look at those impacts, that leads to designing more resilient solutions. And when you understand that, then you also understand the feedback loops. It's an aspect of it right? That feedback. Look, I've done something here. Okay, I have to let you know now, two, three, four, however many steps upstream yes. so that it gets incorporated in the process. We'll learn from it. And, and we also just, you know, put it in the process. 
And it, that is a fantastic answer. And, and it resonates so truly, especially with the medium to small size businesses uh, where they're trying to get their heads around data. Your analogy, which I will be using in the future um, about building a foundation and the stories of a house, mm -hmm. um, you can get going, not a problem, but make sure the platform that you're starting from is strong enough to grow with you. Make sure that you've got, so I am so stealing that analogy. Oh, of course. And I have to say, when we say the platform, here's, here's something we underestimate. It's less about the technology and it's more about the data model. We're talking about data here. Does our data model actually, however we do it technically, right? There's different ways that on the physical layer we can do it. I'm not talking about your physical data model, but that physical data model, however we're doing it, you know, we're doing relational, dimensional ontologies, whatever it is, right? Different ways. Uh, does it actually align with our business? I call it business information model. It's like a conceptual model. I, I've created a framework. Um, a part of that includes what I call business information model. It's, it's a logical conceptual, but it's got some other things into it. So the physical, does it relate to that? So where we're building these solutions, the way that we're going to be able, one aspect of it, that we're going to be able to be resilient, flex and scale, is making sure that we understand the business relationships. To understand the business relationships well enough that we design it in a way that can actually expand and scale while we get different requirements a year down the road, is understanding the end-to-end -end impact. So start yeah. with the end-to-end -end implications, impact. That feeds into that data model, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's from a data perspective, very key. It's not the only one, but that's like really, for resilient solutions, it's not the only one, but yeah. that's so key. And you know, we don't talk enough about that, but I do want again to emphasize again, this is not about the physical data model. This is at the conceptual, logical, uh, you know, level. Is it is it accurately representing the business and the business relationships? What are those key things that we need to know about? Not every single data point, we don't need to model that there, but what are those key entities, key data attributes, you know, data points that we need to know about? What are those key relationships in our business that we can just model in a way that can flex and scale versus just very tightly coupled to only these, this specific finite scope that we're working on right now yeah couldn't agree so i mean yes it's so true i think we've got time for one last question which came in from alice um from before the webinar generally how long does it take to build a strategy and what are the direct costs involved that second part of that question might really not be relevant because it depends on the business um but about how long it takes to build a strategy, how would you answer that? Um, I, I would say it depends. Uh, it depends on a couple of things. It depends on who's driving that effort, who's building the strategy. It, you know, are they just starting? I mean, I had people that reached out to talk about it and they were just kind of like themselves trying to understand more things, right? Do you have someone that has done it before and understands all of the different things to look? Uh, also the strategy, right, needs to, although I do think it needs to pertain to all these different things that we talked about, it, 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 
it, it has to be specific to the organization. It doesn't mean we do everything in every single pillar all at once, or we may be doing little pieces in different areas, right? From every pillar by little things. So how long does it take? Uh, I, you know, it's, it's hard to answer because there's so many dynamics. Who's doing it? What is the appetite in the organization? Are they even open to talk about it? Because if they're not, but you have someone that's kind of like your data champion, let's say, that says, hey, there is value here. Let's do this. They're going to find a lot more pushback. So they're going to need to do a lot more work early on to even get one key stakeholders here listening and then pilot something because you don't just build your data strategy. You've got to keep on showing that value tangibly. So you start with little pilots, quick wins, you know, things that are related. And you say, hey, you see this? You see how this helped? That is one little thing of the strategy. But there's so many things we can do, right? So again, how small or big the organization is, what is the maturity, the openness, who's doing it? I, I, I don't know that I, you know, I want to say, you know, a couple of months or a couple of years. It really depends. Yes. But, but again, you make a very good point that if you're defining a data strategy and you're a small, medium-sized business, just that one thing that you can say, hey, look, we've done this and this has had this direct impact and and the next time we go back and we can also do this. And I think that builds a lot of trust in the business, especially businesses where the the board level are perhaps totally uninterested in, in this area. But if they keep repeatedly seeing a value, then the strategy can sort of build with their confidence in you as a person telling them that they've got a problem. Uh, yes, I could not agree with you more, Catherine. Absolutely. And I think it's uh, helpful to also keep in mind, right, like you said, uh, you keep on showing small, incremental little value. And you also try something that helps. You know, at the same time, if you know you want to do this in your organization, you might be putting together uh, a more formalized way how to speak about the data strategy, what are the different components. But in parallel, you want to show value and then try to see if you can find someone in the business that can listen, that you do this pilot with them, for them, to see the value, because then if they do, to your point, Catherine, they speak about it, other folks are hearing it, that absolutely supports the conversation down the road with more executives to say, okay, this is important and this is how we're going to benefit from this are we going to prioritize it for something that it's a, a program right not a project and it's an ongoing right to prioritize it um which will include funding and it just the other thing to keep in mind as you're working with that business person or if you're having a conversation with more executives later one of the most impactful but also hardest thing, I think, when you're the person trying to do that is really try to understand the business and realize that if 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 the person that you're working with first is, let's say, out of operations, you know, give the example, speak it in that language. You're going in front of a, a, a group of different executives later, you have finance, you have different people there. Make sure you understand the business well enough that again, when you present this, this is why you're going to have the right people in the right roles. You're speaking in a way that can relate to your target audience. Give a finance example to your finance person. 
you know give give you know a how is it going to slow down operations of a plant to a person doing manufacturing give a different example to someone from sales operations on the commercial side right the hard thing is that we need to take the time to understand the business from a factual perspective well enough to communicate it in a way that the other person gets it understands it so that's you know understanding enough it's it's a little wide you know but but notice this i'm not talking about tools i'm not talking about fabric mesh ai data lake cdp whatever whatever it might be i'm talking about business use cases yes. that's the best way to communicate and get that support yes. um like the shipping example like you know exactly i mean different examples like that using the buzzwords and getting too carried away with them is actually can hold you back because it's not relevant to the finance guy whatever mesh data is does not interest him because it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything um and i do think we all are guilty in our own fields and in our own ways of having our way of speaking and the words we like to use to show that we understand what it means while forgetting that the person we're talking to doesn't so well done you for looking clever but actually the person that you're talking to doesn't understand and it goes back to what is our goal is our goal to sound clever is our goal to reach to get the buy-in to get this going because it's going to help our business remember grow revenues cut down costs mitigate risk safeguard our business that's what it all connect to and we can still talk very technical stuff just with the right people yeah. I'm having conversations all day long talking about the difference between mesh and fabric and is it good, is it bad, what is it, you know. I can talk all day long technical stuff, but that's not what I'm saying to my executives, no. right? So there is a place and a time for those things too. <laughs> that's fantastic. Dora, we've reached the end of our time. I thank you so much uh, for spending some time with me today. Your answers um, have given me, quite honestly, a bit to chew on myself. Um, which is always fantastic, uh, but we do appreciate to have apologies for our technical issues at the start of this webinar. Um, anybody who had uh, problems logging on, you will have an email, hopefully, which is what you're now looking at uh, to follow up. But what can go wrong does go wrong, as they say in showbiz. So, but Dora, hopefully we will have you back again next year for another webinar. We'd love to see you again. I'm quite sure there's a load more questions going to come out of this one. So we'd love to have you back, but really do appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you to the audience. Thank you for all of your questions. Uh, they were really informative and uh, we hope we got those answered correctly for you. And we look forward to meeting you the next time we have a webinar. And um, until then, goodbye from WinPure. Dora? And yes, Catherine, thank you so much. And I have to also give a big thank you to the audience. I've learned from, from all of us here too. I, you know, some of the questions I hadn't thought of before, these are great. So we all learn from each other. I appreciate the engagement, Catherine. Thank you for the opportunity. And I'd love to come back. I feel even though we've been talking for about an hour, I feel there's so much more <laughs> to dive into here, but uh, hopefully, this was helpful to folks, and uh, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, not at all. All right. Bye-bye for now, everyone. Thank you. Bye. All right.